Hey everybody, welcome back to Bruce Bites. Today I'm returning to Bruce Bites Cubby, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Before I get into the reading, just want to share a little bit about the process so far. Previously I had a podcast called The Happy Rabbit, and it started as just a journal podcast. I would just turn on my phone and talk my feelings right into the podcast and that would be over. I I might add a little bit of music, but it was really, really basic and simple and straightforward. Since then, or not since then, after that podcast, I started to care more about sound quality and I bought a microphone and I started recording my voice in GarageBand and playing around with the equalizer there and I didn't really know what I was doing and then I decided oh I want to add sound effects and so I was learning how to add sound effects and then I was like oh I want to actually edit out uhs and ums and vocal pauses and so what initially was just me logging in, logging in, (laughs) sounds like I'm at work, me plugging in my headphones and talking turned into, now I got to get the room set up, I got to get my little sound system set up, set up the microphone, test everything, I would record the episode one day and then edit it, which would take twice as long as the, however long it took to record it, adding in music, I would make a snappy intro, and it was just a lot. It was a lot. Then I was like paying extra for hosting. I was paying a subscription to use the music. It was a lot. And so it. I struggle with the balance of just wanting to put something out there and not letting good get in the way of great. Or wait, great get in the way of good? Whatever it is. But I recognize that there will be people who listen to this maybe. And I don't want it to be a crappy experience for the listener. So yesterday or the last podcast, I used a, a, a microphone. I recently got an iPad Pro. And so now I'm recording on that in my closet. And I hope this sound is good enough. Um, I'm really trying not to make this when it's too complicated for me it becomes a chore and not something I enjoy doing. And so maybe at least for the first, I don't know, five episodes, which is maybe one more, (laughs) I'm just gonna open it up, I'm gonna talk, maybe I'll add some music, or I think I've been adding music. I'll add some music and then maybe over time I'll learn how to do more, but I don't know, It's it's a balance. I don't want it to get to the point where it feels more of a chore to get started than it does to do it, because that means then I won't be recording. And I really want to stick with this, stick with this comma, this time, period. I'm opening up the book now, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm still in chapter one. Is this chapter one? Part one. Yeah, part one. The next section I'll read is the personality and character ethics section. After I read, I will 
say what this section means to me and then give you something to think about and then we'll wrap things up. The personality and character ethics. At the same time, in addition to my research on perception, I was also deeply immersed in an in-depth study of the success literature published in the United States since 1776. I was reading or scanning literally hundreds of books, articles, and essays in fields such as self-improvement, popular psychology, and self-help. At my fingertips was the sum and substance of what a free and democratic people considered to be the keys to successful living. As my study took me back through 200 years of writing about success, I noticed a startling pattern emerging in the content of the literature. Because of our own pain, and because of similar pain I had seen in the lives and relationships of many people I had worked with through the years, I began to feel more and more that much of the success literature of the past 50 years was superficial. It was filled with social image consciousness techniques and quick fixes, with social band-aids and aspirin that addressed acute problems and sometimes even appeared to solve them temporarily, but left the underlying chronic problems untouched to faster, oops, oh sorry, um, <laughs> chronic problems untouched to fester and resurface time and again. In stark contrast, almost all of the literature in the first 150 years or so focused on what could be called the character ethic, and that's italicized in capital letters, as the foundation of success. Things like integrity, humility, fidelity, temperance, courage, justice, patience, industry, simplicity, modesty, and the golden rule. Benjamin Franklin's autobiography is, a represent, is representative of that literature. It is basically the story of one man's effort to integrate certain principles and habits deep within his nature. The character ethic taught that there are basic principles of effective living and that people can only experience true success and enduring happiness as they learn and integrate these principles into their basic character. But shortly after World War I, the basic view of success shifted from the character ethic to what we might call the personality ethic that is also capitalized and italicized. Success became more of a function of personality, of public image, of attitudes and behaviors, skills and techniques that lubricate the processes of human interaction. This personality ethic essentially took two paths. One was human and public relations techniques, and the other was positive mental attitude, or PMA. Some of this philosophy was in expressed in inspiring and sometimes valid maxims, such as, your attitude determines your altitude, smiling wins more friends than frowning, and whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Other parts of the personality approach were clearly manipulative, even deceptive, encouraging people to use techniques to get other people to like them, Ooh, shade to Dale Carnegie maybe or to fake interest in the hobbies of others to get out of them what they wanted or to use the power look or to intimidate their way through life so just a quick note I haven't read Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people 
and that might be a solid book. It's not fair for me to make that jab without having read the book. But it did kind of seem like he was making a jab when he wrote it. <sighs> Back to the text. Some of this literature acknowledged character as an ingredient of success, but tended to compartmentalize it rather than recognize it as foundational and catalytic. Reference to the character ethic became mostly lip service. The basic thrust was quick fix influence techniques, power strategies, communication skills, and positive attitudes. This, personal, this personality ethic, I began to realize, was the subconscious source of the solutions Sandra and I were attempting to use with our son. As I thought more deeply about the difference between the personality and character ethics, I realized that Sandra and I had been getting social mileage out of our children's good behavior, and in our eyes, this son simply didn't measure up. Our image of ourselves and our role as good, caring parents was even deeper than our image of our son and perhaps influenced it. There was a lot more wrapped up in the way we were seeing and handling the problem than our concern for our son's welfare. As Sandra and I talked, we became painfully aware of the powerful influence of our own character and motives and of our perception of him. We knew that social comparison motives were out of harmony with our deeper values and could lead to conditional love and eventually to our son's lessened sense of self-worth. We knew that social comparison motives were out of harmony with our deeper values and could lead to conditional love and eventually to our son's lessened sense of self-worth. So we determined to focus our efforts on us, not on our techniques, but on our deepest motives and our perception of him. Instead of trying to change him, we tried to stand apart, to separate us from him, and to sense his identity, individuality, separateness, and worth. Through deep thought and the exercise of faith and prayer, we began to see our son in terms of his own uniqueness. We saw within him layers and layers of potential that would be realized at his own pace and speed. We decided to relax and get out of his way and let his own personality emerge. We saw our natural role as being to affirm, enjoy, and value him. We also conscientiously worked on our motives and cultivated internal sources of security so that our own feelings of worth were not dependent on our children's acceptable behavior. As we loosened up our old perception of our son and developed value-based motives, value-based yeah, value motives, new feelings began to emerge. We found ourselves enjoying him instead of comparing or judging him. We found ourselves enjoying him instead of comparing or judging him. We stopped trying to clone him in our image or measure him against social expectations. We stopped trying to kindly, positively manipulate him into an acceptable social mold because we saw him as fundamentally adequate and able to cope with life, we stopped protecting him 
against the ridicule of others. He had been nurtured on this protection, so he went through some withdrawal pains, which he expressed, and which we accepted, but did not necessarily respond to. We don't need to protect you, was the unspoken message. You're fundamentally okay. As the weeks and months passed, he began to feel a quiet confidence and affirmed himself. He began to blossom at his own pace and speed. He became outstanding as measured by standard social criteria, academically, socially, and athletically, at a rapid clip, far beyond the so-called natural development process. As the years passed, he was elected to several student body leadership positions, developed into an all-state athlete, and started bringing home straight-A report cards. He developed an engaging and guileless personality that has enabled him to relate in non-threatening ways to all kinds of people. Sandra and I believe that our son's socially impressive accomplishments were more a serendipitous expression of the feelings he had about himself than merely a response to social reward. This was an amazing experience for Sandra and me, and a very instructional one in dealing with our other children and in other roles as well. It brought to our awareness on a very personal level the vital difference between the personality ethic and the character ethic of success. The psalmist expressed our conviction well. Search your own heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Search your own heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. That's the end of that section. When I mentioned that when I first got into this book, I was, I mean, every, it was almost like every page. It was like blowing my mind. And I think it was a courageous move on the part of him and his wife to recognize that they wanted their son to be good so that they could look good is one way to put it. And they had to address the need to, like, I need to feel good. Um, And they then decided to focus on, let's just appreciate him for who he is. Not that we try to make him socially acceptable because that's, that's what we want. I, I, I think that's admirable to go through that to go through that process because that's hard to admit right because we are so we tend to be really caught up in what other people think I haven't had this happen with my with the kid I've just had it happen with myself I have had times where I'm trying to think of a recent example where I was trying to do something but my the goal or the drive behind it was to be to to be liked or to be accepted. And once I got over the need to or <laughs> got over, please, I'm still working on this. 
once I recognized that a lot of my aspirations were just built around getting validation from other people, once I was honest about that, it was much easier for me to be like, okay, Bruce, like, yeah, if you want to, you know, get in shape and have a six pack, you do it. But just know that when you do it, it won't, you won't change your life. And even if you get the validation from other people, it won't matter because you don't, you should not need to get validation from other people in the first place. So uh, that jumped out at me as, as, uh, as I was reading and when I initially read it. The other thing that I like about this book um, that he talks about in this section is the difference between the personality and the character ethic. And the personality is the, I guess, the more superficial one and the character ethic is the deeper one. I'm also listening to a audiobook from Jim Rohn who gives a lot of the same vibe as Stephen Covey. And some of the guys, I don't know any women who, who were writing during this period these kinds of books. I'm not saying that there weren't, I just, they're, they're not as famous. Um, they focus a lot on like discipline and integrity and like things that are hard to do well and they are values that if you abide by them you uh, it, it it really gives you only one way to move uh, let me say that differently if one of your main principles is I always want to be honest that's going to guide a lot of the com- that's going to guide the conversations that you have with your family with your spouse with your employees with your colleagues that'll guide the conversation it's gimmicky and this is the personality ethic he argues to say oh well just you know focus on you know I don't know the attitude and all of that stuff and it's like in real life motivation is not a real motivation it's nice when you have it but you don't always have it and you have to learn how to do stuff without motivation I didn't want to record this podcast tonight I didn't want to practice piano a couple minutes before um I don't want to clean up. I kind of want to clean up because the place is kind of a mess. But there are a lot of things I don't want to do. I didn't want to go to the gym today. Like, and I think most of the time I don't want to go to the gym. When I need to go to the gym, I don't want to go. And when I don't need to go and I'm just like bored and I don't want to be left alone with my thoughts, I'll go to the gym. The thing is, the character says, like, let's get to the core, non-sexy part of what makes you you. Do you have a zero tolerance character ethic that says, I'm going to be honest no matter what. I'm going to not gossip about people because if I gossip about other people to folks, those folks will think that I will gossip about them and they won't really trust me as a person, you know? Um... Like, do you have non-negotiables that just say, you know, if this is not on the up and up, I'm not going to be involved. And that's hard to always take the high road constantly. Um, That's why I think the character ethic is much harder. But I remember when I first read this, I thought, oh, wow. um, I want to have good character. And this idea of character comes up 
all throughout the rest of this book. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to, to reading the rest of that. Um, I think the question I want to leave, not I think, the question I, or the thought that I want to leave you all with today is think about the values or ethics that drive your behavior on a day-to-day basis. If, if somebody were to ask you what are your best qualities and you would say like, oh, you know, I'm hardworking, you know, and it's like, well, I think you could legit be very hardworking, but like, are you really hardworking? Like, are you hardworking when it really counts? You know, are you honest when it really counts? Um, I'm working on something um, with a situation um, at work and um, basically I think it's easy for people to get on a bandwagon to have an opinion about a certain person and sometimes sometimes I feel like that person rightly causes other people to have that opinion about her. (laughs) And, um, but I'm thinking, Bruce, it doesn't matter what other people do. You, if you say you want to be a team player and you don't want to talk about people behind their back, you can't be petty. You can't be throw passive aggressive jabs when you're in a meeting and this person's name comes up. You can't join in on people ragging her because I've always been very sensitive to that, to that idea that if I talk about, if you're talking about people to me, I'm not going to tell you uh, squat because you're going to, whatever I tell you, you're going to go tell other people. And that means I think I, I don't trust your character. And I want people to think of me as like, you know what? Bruce generally doesn't say anything negative or petty about other people and I trust him but I can't do that right now because I'm I'd be joining in the bandwagon sometimes and I I feel guilty about that it's hard but I mean nobody's perfect and we gotta practice and that's why I have this podcast to help remind me that you know it's not about being perfect it's about just trying and I want to try to do better so certainly the value that i one of the values that I want to be able to say is that I am, uh, what is it, mindful of the absent or uh, mindful of the absent? I don't know what it's called, but basically, um, I don't talk about people behind their back. And sometimes it's really easy to do, <laughs> to talk about folks, but I I don't want to do that because then I can't say that I, I have integrity. Because basically what I would be doing in that case is being two-faced. I'm talking to this person on a regular basis and I'm like, yeah, 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 hey, you know. And then behind their back, like, even if I don't say anything, if I'm around people and they are going in on her, like, and I don't speak up, I don't know, I just feel like that's kind of lame. If you're my friend, and not everybody's got to be my friend, but if you're my friend, like, and you hear people talking about me, 
either I don't know I think you leave or I think you say to those people like um that's my friend and those things you're saying about him are not nice um or even if I wasn't your friend you were just like you know maybe it's not nice to talk about people when they're not here or like I don't know you could come up with something to say um so that that's it for this episode uh thank you all for listening and I will be back with another episode very soon um have a good one bye